Well, for those of you joining us online, uh, in the middle of that video, we had a bit of a train wreck trying to get the TV out here, and it was not working. It's now working. For those of you in the room, uh, this is how those online, which is still probably 80 to 90 percent of us, are able to engage with the slides and everything. So uh, it's not here just to be pretty. It, it, it's, we're worshiping in a different way these days, aren't we? So it is good to be to get together. I see a lot of kids in this space. And one of the things that we do annually is what we call backpack blessings. We give kids a little tag, they put it on their back, backpack, and uh, just reminds them God's with them, reminds them that they are followers of Jesus. And so uh, did we, kids in the room, even if you're planning on coming back this afternoon, I'm going to ask kids to stand up. School-age kids, go ahead and stand up. And this, the, again, this is a bummer, COVID bummer. Usually we bring the kids up, it's super exciting, we celebrate it, but kids stand up. And then I'm going to ask those of you in this space and those of you online to hold a hand out towards the kids, whether it's in your room or whatever, and I'm going to pray over them and the craziness that is the school year ahead of us. So I'm going to pray over the students. I'm going to pray over our administrators and teachers too. So very different reality. So Father, we thank you for these kids. You, Lord, in, in Scripture, suffer the little kids to come unto me. And so, Lord, we want to be like you, to love these kids that are made in your image, God. So I pray your blessing on them this year, whatever that means, that every gift they need from you, whether it's they're being homeschooled, in the classroom, whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that you um, would cause them to learn in the ways they need to learn, to become more of who they need to be through school, Lord. And then be with the teachers, uh, whether it's a parent, whether it's an actual teacher. I think of teachers that are teaching in such different ways, different subjects, God. We pray for strength and courage in everything that they need that they would get from you. And then, Lord, for administrators, we pray that you would give them grace in the midst of a year where so much judgment is going their way, that they would know those of us that we're supporting them and praying for them, God. So your blessing on all this. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. Well, in light of that, we're in a series, a little three-week series, before we spend the rest of the fall in Matthew 5-7 to on the Sermon on the Mount. We're on a series where we're naming that the world we live in is different. In week one, we talked about anxiety, and that raised a lot of conversation where uh, I think a lot of us are saying, uh, my anxiety, my depression looks a little different, a little more these days. Last week, we talked about hatred, um, and this week's sort of connected to that. We're talking about division, but there's so much hatred. There's so much division. I mean, we just did backpack blessing, and there's division over how you school. There's division over whether we like our school district, what they're doing with school. And the list could go on and on, but division is everywhere around us. It's politics, it's masks, it's vaccine, it's schooling, it's religion. And these things matter. Each of these issues actually matter. It's how we deal with them that matters more as followers of Christ. My background, I grew up in what's called independent Baptist fundamentalism. So we weren't part of a denomination, every church was sort of independent, but the movement was characterized by division. We practiced what was called second-degree separation. So the core of Scripture we agreed on, but there were all these sort of secondary, tertiary issues that we would divide over. Like, I don't like the fact that you're using drums in your church, so we're not going to associate. I don't like this theology of end times that you believe in, so we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're going to divide. And so this division thing was something in, in my mind that, that it was just normal. The more I looked at Scriptures, it's not the way. Yeah, we, we should take stances on certain. Please don't hear me saying that, that nothing matters, but how we're unified matters more, and especially at a time when we're divided like we're divided today. I watched a movie this week. 
The Social Dilemma. Who's watched it? And by the way, if you're at home, raise your hand if you've watched it as well. Every family should watch The Social Dilemma. Um, I think it is so important. But it's interesting. It looks at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media. And they talk about that there's actual algorithms that further divide us. We're already a polarized society. But there's algorithms in these things that we often use mindlessly. I do that divide us more and more, and for monetary gain. And it says in there that it's all for manipulation. It's, the heart, it's at the heart of what's going on, to make technology persuasive. And they purposely are applied to the extremes. So your feed purposely shows you mainly what you agree with, and often will give you fake news about what you agree with on both sides. Again, Crossview is this very diverse community, so that We're never learning from someone who thoughtfully disagrees with us. Our way is just being told again and again, that's the right way. Illustration you might remember in the last year or so, Kyrie Irving, famous NBA basketball player. He went on social media and talking about the earth being flat. I think it was his Twitter. And about a week later, he apologized and he said he got lost in a YouTube black hole and he really believed in that moment that the earth was flat. It's easy to go down these ways, isn't it? And we get more and more divided when we go down those type of black holes. By the way, it's playing out with our kids. That's why I think these conversations matter so much. Our kids are going down these roads. We're just becoming more and more divided over everything. We're divided into friend groups. We're divided into Viking and Packer fans and Bronco fans, the ones that are actually right. We divide on so many issues, and some of them we should divide on. But when we don't practice love in the way of Jesus, even if we're dividing, we're missing what is right. And so we're going to look at 1 John 4, if you have your Bibles, verses 7 through 21. Um, Let me give you a context, and then we'll pray and jump into it. So, it's most likely written by John the Apostle around the end of the first century, and it's really addressing false teachers. And the false teachers, what what is being taught is, the wrong understanding of who Jesus is. And so John is addressing that, and he's addressing what love looks like in the context of community as you deal with false teachers. So let me pray, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, um, Lord, I pray that you would do a really good work this morning, and that you would speak, God, and that we would hear the words from you that we need to hear, not the words from society that are telling us something that's against your story. So do that by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. First John 4, starting in verse 7. Dear friends, and he's going to say this again, and it's important because it's a sort of a familial term. Dear beloved, or, or you could even translate this almost saying, my favorite people. Paul, John says, I love you guys. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, and we'll, we'll get at what is love. Whoever does, because it can be a very vague term, right? And even on a societal level, we've made it more and more vague. But whoever does not love is not from, does not know God. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. So here's love. He sent his one and only son to the world that we might live through him. We'll break that down a little bit more, but that's the Christian definition of love. That God sends His Son, 
into this world so that we might live through him. Verse 10. This is love. Says it again. Or John's like, you got to get this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning, taking our sins away, sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11. Again, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And you sort of get the sense that like, you get what love is, but you're not practicing love. You get the definition of love. You've said the prayer. You've gone to church. You chose to follow me. You've done the right things, but you're not loving one another. You're not truly loving one another. So dear friends, since God loved us, we had to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Some really interesting language in this. That how we love each other is perhaps one of the most important things. In fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is saying this prayer before he's going to go to the cross. And he says, I pray that you would love each other just as the Father and I love each other so that the world would know and see. How we love and treat each other is our greatest witness in the world around us. And we often don't do a good job at it. Verse 13. This is how we know and live in him and in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And it's so important, because part of the heresy is they're saying Jesus wasn't actually the Son of God. And John is saying that's the heart of it. God actually sent his Son. Verse 14 again, we have seen and testified the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. What's he saying? The truest love between humans comes from knowing God and then giving that love away. That self-sacrificing, moving towards type of love. God is love. Whoever lives in God, lives. whoever love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that you will have confidence on the day of judgment. By the way, we we saw this a little bit in the Romans passage. There is, in this Christian understanding, a day where we stand before God, and we give some level of accountability for our relationship with God, but also how we lived it out. Did we actually give that love away towards one another? End of verse 17. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Which, by the way, if you you really break it down, fear is the currency of division. You think about all the division going around in our society, at the core of it is fear. And often that fear is connected to a lie. And please, this is not, I am not preaching some political message. This is like, fear is the thing that is breaking us down and we're buying into it. And Jesus... John is inviting us into a very different way. Perfect love, the love that Jesus gives that we're supposed to give away, drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. That's the heart of it. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Isn't verse 20 interesting? I mean, these are the things that as Christians we don't want to sit with very long. I mean, what if we just said that as, as, as our point today? If somebody, let's just talk about Crossview Covenant Church. If somebody in our church is saying that they love God, 
but in their heart has hate towards somebody else in our community, what John is saying, they don't actually have the love of God. That's bold, isn't it? We don't get that preaching a lot, but that's what Scripture says. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is huge. Again, remember, 1 John, he's dealing with love and heresy. False teachers, at the core, they were redefining love. To say that Jesus is not the Son of God, to say that Jesus is not God, is to completely redefine love. Because ultimate love is the God of the universe. I loved singing that song that probably been sung for years. God of wonders. The God of wonders would send himself into this world to make things right. That is the definition of love. It's self-giving. It's self-sacrificing. If you look through the writings of Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, theologians say the number one theme in the writings of Paul is unity. Just like 2,000 years later, the early church was divided over everything. Circumcision, Jews and Gentiles. Who was the best preacher? Women's role in the church. I mean, they were divided over everything. And some of it mattered. Some of it meant that maybe you should be divided. But again, and again, Paul's going to say how you treat each other matters more. So I want to talk about three things. I I think they're keys that John gives us if we're going to overcome or be different in the world of division. First of all, it starts with with, uh, God's love for us. That's what we're told again and again and again in this passage, which means, well, verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are broken, and God came in to heal our brokenness. You've seen me do this before, but I think one of the best ways to tell the story of God, God's big story, is through a tool actually called the big story. It's through InterVarsity. Jack, you can go to the next slide there. So if I asked you what the world was like, especially today, maybe more than seven seven months ago, a lot of you would say it's broken, it's messed up. There's division everywhere, things aren't right. And the moment we start saying those type of things, we also acknowledge that we're made for something more. When I say that there's something broken, it also says inside of me that I desire for something more. And that's where the Christian story starts. Next slide. Is that God created a world that was designed for good. When God made things, we were designed to be in good relationship with God. We were designed to be in good rela- we were designed to love each other well. That was the start of the Christian story. And we were also designed to care for God's creation. That's the start of the story. But what happened at the start of the Christian story, and what happens now in our hearts, is we think we can do it better than God. And that's what this is. That the brokenness is everywhere. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with with each other is broken. That's why John had to write these words, is because it's broken. And our relationship with the world is broken too. We're not caring for God's creation like he wants. But the beauty of the Christian story, it never stops here. Go to the next slide. Is that Jesus enters in what we're talking about here. God sends his son into the world to restore everything for better. That the Christian story is Jesus comes and lives a life. We're supposed to live like Jesus, it says here. 
Jesus comes and lives this beautiful life of perfect love. Then he dies for our sins so that we can come to Jesus and say, please forgive me. I know I'm broken. I know I try to rule things and they break apart. But he also wants us to be restored to his creation too. But the story gets even better in my, in my opinion. Go to the next slide. Is that when we interact with Jesus, when we meet Jesus, when you choose to follow Jesus, when you choose to be forgiven, that we actually are sent together to heal. The part of the Christian story, Jesus said to his followers, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. In the same way. And so when it says, it starts with God's love for us, this is the story of of love. But here's the challenge. Jack, if you go to the next slide. And I know it gets small here. But too often we try and jump across certain ways, and that's not how the Christian story works. We have to acknowledge God's whole story. We can't just say, hey, let's, let's be sent together to heal without the Jesus way. Or it becomes about us. We begin to do it in ways that are broken. But if we follow this story, this narrative, we get at the fact that God sent His Son into the world to restore it, to atone sins, to be the Savior of the world, as the text says. And the question for me that I would ask you is, where do you fall in the story? Where do you fall in the Christian story? For some of you, you say, maybe I'm here. I've never really had that interaction with Jesus where I said, I am choosing to follow Jesus Christ. I know I'm broken. I know I contribute to the brokenness around me. And I understand what Jesus has done and I want to follow Him. And that's what it means to choose to follow Jesus Christ. For you to have that conversation with God right now, whether you're at home, whether you're in the space, whether you're watching it during the week. But I think for a lot of Christians, we sit here and we miss out part of the story. That we say, yeah, I've, I've met Jesus. I grew up in the church. I did the deal. But we're, if you're not loving one another well, you've missed part of the good news. And that's what John is trying to say to the church. It's probably the church at Ephesus. He's saying if you're not loving each other, you're lying about knowing the good news. It's that radical. And so it begins with us understanding and believing and following and understanding God's love for us. So no matter where you are, I would invite you right now, seriously, in your head, to just pray to God. And say, God, I've been sitting here for too long. I really have not loved others well, and I want to be fully part of your story. And maybe you're here, and you want to say to God, man, forgive me of my sins. I am broken and messed up, and you came for me. So I want to follow you, and then I want to be sent together to heal. Understanding and letting love flow out of the love of God is so important. I think the second conversation we have to have is, how do you define love? Because that's, that's the really tough one. Especially in our society, how do you define love? Because love is not we all have to look the same. Love is not we all have to think the same, right? Love is not easy. Love is not condoning everything people do. What the text says is love is God's love expressed in Jesus Christ. And what that means is it's personal. It's personal. What that means is it's love always moves towards the mess. 
Isn't that interesting? And there, there's caveats for sure about this. I mean, if, if you're in an abusive relationship, this is not me saying you need to move towards the mess. Please don't understand that. But Christian love in the way of Jesus always moves towards what is broken. That's what God did. God sent His Son into the mess to make things better. Love honors the Imago Dei in every human being. When it says, love your brother and sister, that's everybody. We are all made in the image of God. And we are both broken because we choose to try and rule the world by ourselves. But we're also beautiful. When you demonize somebody you disagree with, you are not loving your brother or sister well. Let me say that again. When you demonize somebody you disagree with, you are not loving your brother or sister well, which means you're not loving in the way of Jesus. And this is a message we all need to hear. Christian love can disagree with someone and still be kind. Amen? I heard a bunch at home, not a ton in the room. Christian love can disagree with somebody and still be kind. Third thing is this from the text. Love everyone like Jesus. I know it sounds super simple, but I think it's so, so practical for us today. Love everyone like Jesus loved. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son of the world that we might live through him. In this world, we are to be like who? Jesus. Not a political party, not a way of doing business, not a way of doing friendship. We are to live like Jesus. Why do we struggle with that? Why do I struggle with that? And there's probably a whole list. There's three things that jumped in my mind. One is, I think some of it is American individualism. Like life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. And I think you could put a personal pro like life, liberty, and the pursuit of my happiness. We're very individual. I was talking to a friend recently who, who had been in a developing world country where it's much more communal. And I think in the communal, it's easier to love one another because it, it's built as the fabric of society. Like Hospitality is normal in a developing world. It's not quite as normal here. And there's, please, I'm not bashing America. I love where we live. But I do think some of the unhealthy individualism makes it so it's hard to love like Jesus Christ. I think right now in our season where it's hard to love because we think we need to be right at any cost. Right? We think that we need to be right at any cost. And so thus we become very judgmental and we can't be kind. We can't love like Jesus loved. Doris Day said this, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. Isn't that challenging? She was a Catholic, amazing woman around social justice. I only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. That's what John is trying to say. God's love creates community in Christ where you, should, that you would never guess what happened. Rich love poor, poor love rich. Jews and Gentiles love each other. It's just, it's radical community lived out. Love is believing that the way of Jesus wins. Let me say that again because that's, I, I pray that you take this with you this week. Love is believing that the way of Jesus wins. Even when the algorithms on Facebook and Instagram tell you and tell me something different. Love is believing that the way of Jesus wins. This is not saying anything goes. But learn to differ without demonizing. Learn to love 
Learn to be kind. Dallas Willard put it this way. One of my favorite authors. He says, Jesus does not call us to do what he did, but to be as he was, permeated with love. Then the doing of what he did and said becomes the natural expression of who we are in him. Let me say this again. Dallas Willard, brilliant theologian and also uh, philosopher at uh, University of Southern California, said this, Jesus does not call us to do what he did, but to be as he was, permeated with love. Then the doing of what he did and said becomes the natural expression of who we are in him. Friends, learn to love like Jesus, and it's going to win. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, wherever we listen to these words from you this morning, God, I pray that your Spirit would give us the courage. Lord, give us the the fortitude to love like you love. Even when it seems like it doesn't win, God, we know, we know that your story ultimately wins. And so, God, I do. I pray that for every one of us, that we would have courage to live out your way. In Jesus' name, amen.